Ron and Debbie began volunteering at the Union Gospel Mission on Tuesday evenings. Now, make sure you know this was all Debbie's idea because you could probably fill a book of all the places to go other than that place or all the things to be doing other than feeding homeless people. You could fill a book of all those things that Ron would have rather have been doing instead of going to the Union Gospel Mission in Fort Worth. But they went on every Tuesday. Now they went because Debbie felt like she had a call from God to serve the homeless people. And Ron went because he knows that happy wife equals happy life. (laughs) And so she decided that he needed to go with her to serve food and dinner to the homeless people there in Fort Worth. And they, would, they went, and they went for several weeks. And even Ron, after only a few short weeks, began to learn something important as well, several, an important lesson or two in those few short weeks. But one Tuesday evening, his life would begin to change in a way that he would have never intended it to change. This one particular Tuesday, they hadn't started serving food yet, but as they're getting prepared to move from one place to another, there was a loud crash in the building that they heard. And as they looked around, they saw a large group of people surrounding a rather large man himself. Later, they would come to find out that this man was named Denver, but at that moment, he was some nameless man screaming at the top of his lungs, swinging his fist, cursing every curse word imaginable, threatening to kill whoever it was that stole his shoes. Now you can imagine Ron being a little scared at the situation and waiting for anybody to come in and break everything up. And as he hid there under the lunch line (laughs) with his wife Debbie, she leaned over to him with a sense of excitement and whispered in his ear, that's him. See, Debbie had had a dream, a dream about a man who would, as she said, change the city. So you can imagine her excitement when she realized that the man that she dreamed about that would change the city was standing right in front of her, cursing like nothing else. And then she leaned over to her husband, Ron, and said, you should go make friends with him. Honey, do you realize who this man you're dreaming about is right now? And you want me to make friends with him. The guy threatening to kill anybody who stole his shoes, right? But so began a friendship that just can't be described, a friendship that you just can't draw up or make up, a friendship that would not only change those two men, but really in many ways change the lives of so many other people. See, Ron was an international, well-to-do art dealer. He was wealthy and usually only cared about things when it mattered to him. And his would-be friend, Denver, was a former sharecropper with no education who only knew pain and more pain and more pain in his life. Their stories couldn't be any more different. And some of you have read their story in the book that they published several years ago entitled Same Kind of Different as me. 
And even though their lives couldn't be any more different, it was Debbie's love, Debbie's vision, and perhaps even sometimes Debbie's persistence that brought them together. But actually, I think those friends would have told us it was more than Debbie. It was God that brought them together because that's what God does. That's what God can do. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, Jesus tells his disciples one evening. Now understand the certainty that Jesus is, that has, that he is loved by the Father. In John's gospel, he's already told us once that he is close to the Father's heart and that the Father loves the Son. In turn, Christ is able and willing to take that love and to share it with people like Peter and the other disciples. Now, we hear that and we might think, well, of course, that was his friends, it was his disciples, of course he loved them, but let's, let's make sure we, we, we understand the disciples. Peter, Mr. Three Times, I don't know Jesus, Peter, right? And the other disciples who hid and ran when Jesus needed them the most. And not only were they fearful you know, and running away when trouble came, I actually think they were kind of annoying, too. They were always fighting with each other about who was the best, who did Jesus love the most, who had the best disciple superpowers, always bickering back and forth, annoying. And I, I want to be nice, but it, I even think they were kind of dumb. You know, Jesus would say something like, they will come and get me and kill me. And the disciples would be like, what does that mean? They will come and get me and kill me. Really not hard to get, is it? And then not only that, they were always messing up Jesus' plan. They would shoo away the little children. They would get after the people with leprosy. The people whom Jesus wanted to associate with the most, to, to let them know that God still loved them the most, they were always shooing them away, getting in Jesus' way of his mission. Oh, ho, 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 those disciples. Those disciples, they were always, always had something better to do, it seems like, as well. Never totally able or willing to give everything they had to Jesus. There was always another show that they had to put on DVR instead of, I don't know, praying or something like that. There was always at least one good, well, maybe not really good excuse for missing church with the other disciples, but they used the excuse anyway. And even when they went to church and it happened to be more than an hour, they didn't just get excited and think that they were in overtime. They complained, these disciples. Oh, and then they disguised their prayer. They disguised their gossip in prayer. Oh, those disciples. Like, I want to pray for my neighbor who's, uh, let me tell you what they're going through, okay? <laughs> Lord, hear our prayer. And, you know, don't get me wrong. They wanted to help. They would give and they would work when it was important to them. Oh, those disciples. How in the world could Jesus... Love those disciples. 
How in the world could Jesus call those disciples friends? Well, the good news is he could. And he did. We recognize that Jesus is following an example that has been given to him. Think of his words again. He tells his disciples, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. This love that Christ had and has for his disciples was something that he knew of from God, something that he saw from God. He was following an example that he saw in God. Now, I'm going to ask you two questions. First question. Do you know you are loved by God? I hope you know that. I hope you know and you understand that it doesn't matter how your day is going. It doesn't matter what your days have been filled with up until today. It doesn't matter what your opinion is about this or about that. It doesn't matter the good you've done. It doesn't matter the bad you've done. It doesn't matter anything about you. God loves you, us, no matter what. And there's nothing you can do about it. There isn't anything you can do, there isn't anything I can do or anybody else can do that can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. Somebody told me that once. Hmm? I hope you know just how much you are loved by God. So much are you loved by God that Christ came into the world on your behalf. Repeat after me. I'm a friend of God. I am loved by God. So let me ask you the second question. If you are a friend of God, if you are loved by God, so what? Because sometimes we get that impression that, well, I'm loved by God, so that's all I really need to know. But don't get me wrong, that's a lot to know. That's a great thing to know, but it is not all there is. To know. Because we realize that not only was Jesus following an example given to him, he was also setting an example as well. Now, I'm, I'm sure those disciples loved Jesus too. I mean, they ate with Jesus, they lived with Jesus, they shared life with Jesus, he taught them great things. He was, he, I imagine them sitting around campfires, laughing, singing, having a good time. They loved him. They were sure that he gave them nice cars and big houses. They loved him too. And so when Jesus says, abide in my love, I think they're thinking, okay, yeah, let's do that. But wait, Jesus, how do you do that? Jesus said, well, it's easy. Follow my commandments. Oh, okay. Well, which one? Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff in here, Jesus. I just don't understand. I can't remember all this. Which, which one are you actually talking about? Because Jesus knew the love that the Father had for him, he could tell his disciples, this is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. You see Jesus setting the example now. See, 
we, we kind of mess that thought up a little bit. We tend to think, there's something that God loves about you, so I guess I got to love you too. Somehow. Some way. And quite often that means I'm going to put up with you. I'm going to... Because God loves you. And I guess I have to figure out a way to love you too. That's partly right. But it's really not right. Because it's not what Jesus said. Love one another as I have loved you. How did Christ love us? Greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. That's a little bit different than putting up with somebody, y'all. And you know, that's just, that's, <laughs> Jesus. You don't know how annoying these people are that you want me to love. And I ain't trying to name names and point fingers, but I just don't really know if they're worth the time. Lord? Maybe you can hear Jesus saying, really? Do tell me about these annoying people I have no idea about. Do tell me about these people that didn't crucify me. Do tell me about these people that didn't spit in my face or didn't run out on me when I needed them. Tell me about these people who got mad at me. Tell me I don't know how annoying people can be. That's just like Jesus, though. The one thing, you know, how do we abide in his love? Jesus makes it simple. One way. Love each other the way I've loved you. (laughs) Oh, man. The one thing we have to do is probably the most difficult thing there is to do. Thanks a lot, Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I think you understand that this loving each other stuff sounds nice on paper. It's a nice game plan, right? But when you get on the field, when you when you get to where the rubber hits the road and you deal with personalities and attitudes and behaviors and looks and comments, and oh my goodness, you realize just how hard it is to love one another the way Christ has loved us. We need to understand, if that's going to be possible at all, we are going to need some help from God. (laughs) You're going to need a little help to love me sometimes, a little help from God to not just put up with me, but to love me the way God loved you. And I'm going to need a little God, too, to love you the same way God loved me. Y'all with me? Sometimes we're going to have to remember what Jesus has done for us. And we're going to have to remember it very well to love somebody else the way that God has loved us. You know who I'm talking about. I know you do. That's why you're laughing. I know you got people in your mind, but not that person. Yeah, that person. Yeah, them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And ones that get on your nerves the most. It's just like Jesus, right? You love each other the way I have loved you. Jesus said once, and that's how people will know who I am. We need to remember that, that they will know we are Christian by how? Our love, not our right opinions. Not the way we can win a debate. Boy. Not the way we can quote scripture. 
Not the way we can tell everybody else how wrong they are and how right we are, but by the way we are willing to love them, Jesus says, they will know who I am. Y'all with me? So Jesus begins with the example he received from God. And we begin then with the example that we have received from Christ. And we can do that. We understand that with God's love, friends can come from the most strangest places. We can be friends with the most strangest of people or the other way around. Friends can do great things together to transform the world. After Miss Debbie passed away from colon cancer, newfound friends, Denver and Ron, knew that they were being called to continue her work serving and loving the homeless people in their community. And up until a couple of months ago, when Denver passed away himself, that's exactly what they did. And their work together as friends has not only impacted the lives of people there in Fort Worth, but people all over the world who have heard their story. And sometimes we can look at their story and think, well, you know, that's an extreme example. They are the exception to the rule. I mean, they're special people. But no, they're not. No, they're not. Not any different than you or I. In fact, as their story became more well-known, as their book became more well-known, they would go to different places to speak about their experiences and about their call to serve the homeless. Denver wanted to make sure that he was always introduced the same way, this way. He said, tell them I'm a nobody that's trying to tell everybody about somebody that can save anybody. Those two friends weren't any different than you or I. They were not the exception They were the proof of what happens when friends like these come together in God's love. Thanks be to God. Amen.